point of view always in life is we can do better. I was intensely curious. I was intrigued by the process and I was inspired by the notion of giving back to my community. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations to take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odman from the Conference Board. I'm the host of this series, and in today's conversation, we're going to discuss what it looks like to run for office. How can a life in the C-suite prepare someone to run for office? Is it worth it? Any lessons learned? Joining me today is Wendy Taylor Nations, the EVP and partner at the Hawthorne Strategy Group and former candidate for Chicago City Council. Wendy, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Just tell us a little bit about your background, because uh, most of it's been in business, not in politics. Right. So I grew up in Indiana. My dad was a roofer. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I was the first person in my family to graduate from college and the only one to have a master's degree. And then uh, I worked my way through college and got an opportunity to uh, move to New York City and get an internship at Rolling Stone magazine. So I began my career going from an intern to an executive uh, assistant at Rolling Stone Magazine. My dream, because I have an English composition undergrad degree, my dream was to be a writer, but I had student loans uh, coming due. And so I found a job in advertising that would that would pay me a little bit more. And I was hooked on the confer- confluence of creativity and strategy. And so I, I began in my career's marketing uh, because I, I was so hooked on that confluence of strategy and creativity. Yeah. And then you've had a career in marketing, going through communications and marketing roles, uh, advisors and in seats. So a whole variety of uh, experiences over time. Yes. So then along comes August of 19, uh, 1922, 2022, and you decide to run for office as a Chicago alderman in your local Ward 43. I, you know, some of our listeners know Chicago well, but for those of you who don't, 43 is north of downtown. It's a relatively affluent ward that's uh, mostly in the Lincoln Park area. But Wendy, why did you want to be an alderman? My point of view always in life is we can do better. I was intensely curious. I was intrigued by the process and I was inspired by the notion of giving back to my community where I've lived for almost 30 years. Most of my career has been mission focused which is why I've gravitated to healthcare and topics like equitable access, uh, as well as economic development. That old saying, nothing stops a bullet like a a job is really important to me. Uh, Many of my career moves in marketing, I would call politically adjacent, meaning working with government organizations like Get Covered Illinois, uh, rolling out the Affordable Care Act with the state of Illinois, and World Business Chicago, which brings foreign direct investment and jobs to the Chicagoland area. So when the former alderwoman announced her surprise retirement before the end of her term, my husband and I talked about it and we decided why not? Yeah, and so you know, your background is a little unique for an alder person. Um, how did you think it prepared you? My career's covered every aspect of marketing, advertising, public relations, digital, point of service, et cetera. So given that running for office is selling yourself and your ideas, uh, for public service and policy, I felt my background meshed with the job of a campaign. 
I've also led large complex organizations and I thought that experience would help in Chicago's typically messy city council. Yeah, and <laughs> messy is a is an interesting adjective for it. Um <laughs> You know, it, uh, it and it goes back forever. I mean, the you know, the more local politics are more local uh, city city council um, is an example of that. Uh, the messier it gets and uh, and the more personal it seems to get, you know, but there must have been something a little altruistic in in your thinking here in terms of giving back as an older person. Very much so. Uh, this community has has been my family, especially during the pandemic, when uh, everyone shut down right away. We had several in my neighborhood, young widows, uh, who had just lost their husbands at the end of 2019, and they went from they were in in mourning, and they needed companionship and care. And so my husband did, and I did things like and this is very Midwestern, we've got a huge heater in our garage and we'd throw garage parties, even in the dead of winter. Uh, our doctor neighbor uh, putting down uh, or measuring between chairs for six feet and uh, firing up that heater even in uh, 15 below zero. So it was, a, it was very much a formative moment for me to serve my community after the pandemic. Okay, so you know what what's the process here? So if somebody's thinking about you know running for office, um, you know, and, and every office is slightly different, but but what's the how do you start doing this? You know, is there some sort of application you fill out? You do it online? You know, what do you do? Well, in this case, yes, but that's it's just a special process. I started with the former alderwoman Michelle Smith because if she didn't support me, I wasn't going to pursue it. She's very powerful, lots of influence. And I got her advice and counsel, and she told me to go for it. That meant, in this case, because she had retired before the end of her term, that I had to apply to be appointed to serve out her term. So I applied for the job, and it was online. <laughs> I went through all the interviews, the background checks, et cetera. I was a finalist for the job, but I should make it clear that there was no way that Mayor Lightfoot was going to appoint me. I had done fundraising for Bill Daly, when he was running against her for mayor and she knew it. In addition, I'm very middle of the road politically and she wanted to add to the progressive caucus on city council. Okay, so this was a replacement in midterm, which is a, a, a little different, which is That's why correct. more of an application process, you know, to, to replace. Why did the former alderwoman step down? She is the youngest of eight children and she's 67 years old and she has a lot of uh, siblings who have health health issues and uh, that she needs to care for. So family family issues, and so so that's what opened it up. And so, and and so this was uh, this was an off election year process, and it was. Uh, but but you did still have to do some fundraising and of course campaign. Well, I jumped in. I'd already decided when I applied for the job. I already decided that I was going to jump into the campaign. So that's how I began is that application process. When I didn't get it, I told Mayor Lightfoot, I'm going to run anyway. And I did. Yeah. Okay. And so um, what, so, so you didn't get appointed that completes that process. And that was the online stuff. Now, how do you start again in a campaign? Well, as uh, Tip O'Neill once said, money is the mother's milk of politics. And so I started raising money. At the same time, one of my opponents or potential opponents 
gave herself $750,000. So I knew that this was going to be an uphill battle. Uh, and while candidate quality and timing are really paramount criteria, money is vital. You can be the best candidate in the race, but if constituents don't know who you are and what you stand for, it really doesn't matter. Money is for marketing, marketing you, your background, your policy ideas, and your personal values. So that's where I began, raising money. Yeah. And so how do you do something like that? I mean, I, you know, most people you talk to would, you know, would rather go to the dentist than, uh, than raise money, um, <laughs> <laughs> especially the dentist, but, uh, but what do you, do you just knock on doors and say, Hey, I'm, I'm collecting for my kid. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it is, uh, includes a deeply, deeply humbling three hours every day known as call time. You call every family family member, everyone you've ever done business with, school friends, former and current colleagues, ex-boyfriends, and basically everyone you've ever known. And I even got $250 for my dentist. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> an ex-boyfriend, that now that 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 shows some dedication when you when when you go to that extent. That's that's something. Well, did did it get easier as you went along? Um, or was it just kind of icky the whole way through uh it gets easier because you get into a uh, you get into a groove you get into a process that part's easy but asking people that you've that you have personal relationships with for years and years and years it's really hard to ask for money for yourself i i don't have any problem asking for money for the causes i'm dedicated to but for yourself is a really tough ask yeah i i can imagine it and you know especially when it's going to be spent. It's not like it's going to be invested in something. It's it's going to be spent and it's going to be spent on, on driving awareness of your candidacy. And that, you know, so it's got to feel a little bit selfish in, in, a, in a way. It does. Uh, and I, I should also mention that you need to tailor your pitch. It's really, that's really important. That's what gets people. So I had a whole list of Kellogg grads and uh, I said, help me be the first Kellogg grad in city council. They need smart people. And, you know, that kind of thing really got people on board or um, help me be the first DePaul University grad to be on city council. People like that kind of thing. It's a good hook. And those are your two uh, alma maters. And did you call, you know, like Illinois people and say, you know, help, help the help from Illinois or, you know, how many universities did you use in that, uh, in that pitch? Just my own. <laughs> Just your own. <laughs> An honest candidate. Um, yeah. Well, you know, so, so you had to raise money and was there a threshold that, that uh, was really required to make, you know, to kind of make it a serious candidacy? Yeah. You need to be about, you need to have as a threshold about $125,000. In the um, and, and that that again, it's a local race, and uh, um, and and so what do you use it for? How do you uh, how do you market yourself? Uh, you use it for direct mail, especially in this ward. There are many high rises, and uh, it's hard. You, you, it's not just hard; it's impossible to get in those high rises unless you know people. And uh, you use it for marketing. It is really, and you also build a campaign team. I should mention that. That's a really important part of doing this. Uh, I had folks from uh, presidential campaigns, congressional campaigns, aldermanic campaigns, all working on my campaign. And it is it's it's built basically building a company, staffing it, and then driving it to bankruptcy on election day. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's probably worth pointing out just so the people understand, you know, there are no parties involved with this, which would which would normally be um, part of the process in a more statewide or national election because mm -hmm. everything's sort of nonpartisan at, at the local level. So that's so correct. This is, just, this is just you. I mean, you, you have no support from that. And this is just you kind of trying to organize this. Now, had you done this for somebody else or been involved in any other campaigns so you kind of knew the process? I had volunteered, but that did not prepare me in any way, shape or form to build a campaign. Yeah, but that, you know, if somebody was interested, that that wouldn't be a bad way to get, you know, to get your toe in the water and kind of peek around and see how how these things run. That's right. That's that's absolutely right. You raised the full amount. And, you know, you started using that for marketing, I assume, you know, sort of digital marketing, email marketing, paying some people, that that sort of thing. It, you knocked on a, a door or two, though. You, it didn't over over 15,000 doors, thousands of miles walked. It was it's a very time intensive. And I also was working full time. So it's a very time intensive uh, thing to do if you do it right. 15,000 doors. And that's you know, that's a relatively small area. I mean, you could walk. You could walk every street in in the ward, and it sounds like you did. I did. Yeah, and did you did you have help? You know, so there were you know were there are high rises and you know big buildings and the Lincoln Park groups and neighborhood groups. Did you how did you tap all of that? I got into the high rises through personal connections. So I would go to my to my friends and say, I need to have a meet and greet. Can you help me out here? And they would they would send out my information and invite people in. And so then in the dead of winter, I was stomping around all those high rises in the Gold Coast, going from place to place, dropping off my information, talking to anyone who would talk to me. I went to dog parks. I went walking with my friends who had dogs and stopping people on the streets. I went to big gatherings like um, Jungle Park Wine Fest. And, and handed out information and talked to people who were uh, sipping wine. That's a good time to do it too, by the way. And uh, <laughs> generally just, just went everywhere and asked for access from anyone I could get access to. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of shoe leather, and that's probably where some of that uh, campaign fund went to, uh, to, to replace a little bit of shoe leather along the way. <laughs> We're talking with Wendy Taylor Nations about how to run for office and her experience in running for a Chicago aldermanic seat. We're going to take a short break and be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the conference board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a Conference Board member today by visiting www.conference-board.com. Org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Wendy Taylor Nations, 
former candidate for the Chicago City Council. Okay, so Wendy, we talked uh, initially about how you get going and you know how you do the application process, how you start to raise money and press the flesh. What was your platform? I mean, so you know, what do you run on? What do, what do you say? How do you determine what you're going to stand for? Well, this is a personal note for me. Uh, I ran on crime reduction, education support, and out of character development. Uh, our ward has seen a sharp uptick in crime in the last decade or so, and I was assaulted on my way to work in July of 2021, and that really shaped my campaign and my point of view on crime. Uh, so I had a personal experience with that, and I, I used it in my campaign to discuss what I had been through in this situation. Additionally, Harris Polls did a poll right before the opening of the campaign. Uh, they they polled local uh, Chicago residents uh, shortly before election season began that showed that crime was the number one issue amongst registered voters in every neighborhood. Thus, crime was number one on my platform. Then moving on, I didn't have uh, much data for the remainder of my platform, but I did have endorsements and support from powerful, uh, powerful, experienced politicians from my neighborhood. And they were able to provide me almost unlimited information about what concerned my constituents most. Finally, and most importantly, I asked people what they wanted and what was important to them. And they sure did tell me. What'd you hear? I heard crime, crime, crime. If I had never spoken about anything other than crime, that would be that would be okay with most people. Not taxes. No, not taxes. Interesting. And uh, you know, in in Chicago, it's 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 very local. And uh, I think one of the previous mayors was referred to as Mayor Pothole because uh, I think uh, he spent most of his time dealing with uh, with uh, resident complaints about you know the streets and. So it's it's streets, it's sanitation, it's crime, it's things that affect them in their neighborhood, right? Very much so. And and Chicago is a, is is a distinctly a neighborhood town. Seventy seven neighborhoods, and each one of them is uh is is like a little town. My ward has fifty six thousand people. Fifty six thousand people and several several you know smaller neighborhoods too. Yes, it, it's not just one big deal. So, you know, you have to understand the unique character of uh, of each of those pockets in there, um, which is which is, uh, again, all that shoe leather. So um, did did crime really resonate the way you expected it to as the lead um, as the lead platform item? Very much so. It was uh, on top of everybody's mind. It continues to be on top of everybody's mind. Now, did that differentiate you from the other candidates or were they talking crime as well? They were all talking crime as well, but they didn't have the personal experience that I had. Yeah. And, and so that must have been a little uh, a little brave on your part, um, you know, to to share that and, and kind of have to share it over and over and over again. It's like probably felt like you had to relive it every day. I did. Uh, but it was also important for other women to hear what I had been through uh, because the, my assault is is hugely underreported. Uh, according to Chicago police statistics. And I wanted them to know that they should report those kinds of, of gropings and uh, attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. But this is, you know, this is what's going on out there. So yeah. um, how did others differentiate themselves from you? So, so if you looked at uh, some of your competitors in the race, how are you each unique? Well, there is a great power in incumbency. 
And that's what the uh, appointed alderman had uh, and, and the power with the mayor behind him. So there was a lot there that was really helpful for him for fundraising because it's incumbency truly is a strength. Once you have the seat, it's hard to unseat someone. Uh, and so he was he was already the sitting alderman and that differentiated him. There was also a, another uh, person who was running who uh, is the head of one of the president of one of the neighborhood associations. And that's what he used to differentiate himself. So there were two other candidates or six candidates total. Yeah. So you described those two who are men. Um, how many men? How many women? Two women, four men. Interesting. And uh, I presume some diversity in there as well. So, yes. Yeah. So so lots of, uh, you know, lots of distinctive stuff. You know, Chicago politics can be vicious. Um, you know, that uh, and that's probably true of, of most big cities or, you know, most local areas. Um, what was your view? Did, did you find that to be, a, you know, a, a difficult uh, situation? It was. Uh, fortunately, because I've handled so many crisis situations and so much bad behavior in my career that I have I, I have a little bit of a Teflon skin against it. I think generally the general temperature of all political efforts right now has risen significantly in the last decade or so. I don't know how to fix the big picture, but when I criticized my political opponents, it was their ideas and their performance, not them personally. And I'd like to see more of that in all campaigns. Did you get attacked personally? I did. Yeah, why? There was uh, a situation that I was involved with um, a lawsuit that was um, part of, uh, was in defense of uh, my youngest godchild. And they used that against me. I refused to settle because I didn't, didn't do what I was accused of yeah, that was used so, against me. Yeah, but see, these are, it, it, you know, it, it could be anything, but these are the examples that come up. So, you know, for people who are thinking about running at some point, you know, you're going to get everything pulled and the internet makes it so easy to do. And, yes. And they'll pull it, they'll twist it, they'll, you know, turn it around, they'll use it negative, even, you know, relatively you know, minor situations, they'll turn it around. I mean, if you got a parking ticket, then you're a scofflaw, you know, so these are the kinds of things that happen to you. And you have to be thick skinned and brave enough to weather all of this, right? You do. You do. And I, and I, again, I've got a bit of a Teflon skin because I've, I've helped people through this many times. Yeah. But it, you know, it's Teflon skin when you're helping somebody else, but when it's when it's directed at you and people are saying nasties about you or lies, you know, we don't I don't know. People don't tend to call them lies anymore. Myth, mistruths, maybe when they're saying the falsehoods about you. I mean, that hurts, doesn't it? It it does. Of course it does, yeah. uh, especially when you know that it's all false. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and then you stand up and say, you know, I did not do X, Y, Z. And all everybody hears is. XYZ. <laughs> so it's hard to win in that situation, which is why negative campaigning is so prevalently used. But the thing to the, the thing to remember is I had a whole bunch of supporters and defenders who were very public about their support and defense of me in clarifying the record. Uh, I was I was accused of being a homophobe, which as a person who is a long time uh, ally of the gay community that was especially hurtful but boy did my boy did my friends come to my defense yeah well that's nice to have those kind of friends 
now you you know you knocked on a lot of doors you did a lot of miles you, you know you you've got to have also some real positive stories that came out of this oh my gosh so many uh there was the there was the woman who invited me into her home on the coldest day of the year and talked to me about my campaign and as i was leaving uh put $500 cash in my hand and said you are a brave lady so that was that was really unexpected. Then there was the 92-year-old man, Bob, who came to every fundraiser and every meet and greet to harangue people into voting for me. And that was quite that was quite lovely and funny. Well, that was nice of your Uncle Bob. Yeah. <laughs> that and wasn't, then that there wasn't were the your uncle. There that he was not my uncle. Then there kidding. were many, many, many people who volunteered for me, who knocked on doors for me, who came to my defense, who after even after their day job spent hours at night in the cold and in the in the snow because they believed in me. And that was very important to me. And then there was also uh, and this was a lot of this is both fun and really made my the other candidates angry. Uh, the unhoused people in the neighborhood uh, who wore my campaign pins and passed out my literature because they said I had always been kind to them. Yeah, well, kindness uh, really does trump all. It, it's uh, it's so important. Ultimately, you didn't win this. And part of the reason, as you said, was that this there was an appointee that was, was, was appointed by the mayor and supported by the mayor, obviously, to fill out this partial term before the full election. And and so that that little experience then made this person, you know, um, a, a in seat to make give it give him some experience and so forth. But, but any other reasons that that you think looking back that that you didn't prevail and 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 could you have done something differently? Yes, like I mentioned earlier, my team was assembled from former presidential campaign folks, congressional, and alderman campaigns. And so they were super experienced and knowledgeable. Um, they ran the numbers and they did the analysis. It all came down to the Tip O'Neill comment, which is uh, money is the mother's milk of politics. It all came down to money. The only other woman in the race spent $750,000 of her own money. And she captured, according to my campaign analysis, my likely voters. So people who had voted for the former alderwoman who was, who was endorsing me were were torn between two women who had um, significant ex business experience and in the woman who gave herself money's case, political experience. And those likely voters were split between her and me. The second thing is I made campaign mistakes. Uh, I was slow to experience, to assemble an experienced campaign team because I didn't know, didn't have the network. I was slow to begin fundraising because I didn't know how. And I didn't raise enough money to overcome that $750,000 spend against me. Okay. So, so what should you have done differently? Put, put together a team faster, raise more money, essentially. Yes. Go negative. I really don't believe in going negative. Again, I, the, the personal attacks, I think make other people look bad. And I didn't want to respond in that way. Uh, I didn't want to get in the gutter. I, it was really important to me to focus on their performance and their ideas rather than them personally. So after this experience, would you recommend to people who are not relative political novices to to try this and do this, have this experience that you have? I I would. I passionately believe that outsiders can win and they often do. And I also believe to uh, I also think to not believe 
is to succumb to the notion that things can never change and that you as an individual can't make an impact. Any other advice for our listeners who are who may be thinking about doing this someday? Uh, yes, I do have some advice. I recommend to anyone who has a desire to care for their community and our country also through public service to run. It's a learning and growing experience that you can't imagine until you're in the thick of it. I did not win, but a wise person said to me just recently, you didn't lose, you gained an experience. And I think that's something really important to remember. Well, words to live by. Wendy, thanks for sharing your great experiences with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, ESG, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with your neighbors, with everyone you want to campaign with someday. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.